What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, former Eastern Michigan Eagle, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards College Podcast. You already know the deal. Just win, baby. Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back after another week and we're here with the Collapsing Pocket Brigade, or just one of them at least, uh, for our part two of our collaboration with them. So I've got Simon Carroll with us. Uh, Si, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thanks to, uh, for having me on. Good to speak to you again. Not a problem. Last week, last week was an absolute pleasure. Like, like you've been saying on your pod, it's nice just to get Ed with uh, somebody who knows something about college football in the draft, isn't it? It's nice to kind of have that. Oh, definitely. Last week was amazing, just going through all the different offensive positions and having a good chat with you, mate. Um, you learn things every time you speak to new people, you know, and obviously if people aren't interested in the draft, they're more interested in, because this is my favourite part of the year, which is a bit sad, mm. really, because there's no actual football on, but I absolutely love it. So, um, yeah, trying to find someone with kindred spirits, so to speak, is, is tough, but yeah, I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we're doing this. No, definitely. Like you say, it's, uh, it's good to get you know, peas in a pod, as they say. Uh, it's all good. Um, so yeah, no, back in. If you've not heard last week's episode, um, it's over on Size Podcast, Collapsing Pocket. Um, you can go and find that on or everywhere, really, that you can find your podcast, really, isn't it? How about, in fact, why am I trying to explain? You explain where you can get you, your words, both verbally and written. Okay, so yeah, the Collapsing Pocket, as Wakey says, you can find it anywhere. Um, just the usual um, uh, medium, whatever you use, you'll just type us and you'll find it uh, somewhere down the bottom, no doubt. Um, but yeah, it's there for you to listen to. And we, we do one or two episodes a week. We're doing two at the moment because obviously we've got nothing better to do in this current climate. And if you want to read anything that we're writing or I'm writing, uh, head over to the touchdown. Um, we've got a hell of a lot of NFL draft content at the moment um, on our NFL draft hub. Mm. Uh, so www.thetouchdown.co.uk forward slash draft hub. You'll find uh, we've done reports on 270 prospects. We've got uh, interviews with loads of different people. The latest one was um, Christian Fulton from LSU. Uh, we've got loads of uh, small school stuff there, big boards, um, like mock drafts, all, everything you can think of for them. Uh, anything you want to do for the NFL draft, head over there, take a look at it, see what you think. No, definitely. You've done some great work over there. I know that you've been working really hard getting out your... Um your top fives or not even top fives actually it's just your top positions and ranking them isn't it all, all throughout the whole it's not just top fives you're not lazy like me just doing top fives and um, so I know you've been doing a lot of good work over there I know that you've got a lot of good interviews so no, I definitely recommend going over there and uh, yeah once you've read, read all our stuff that is you know go over there and, and read what, what you've got over at the touchdown so yeah, definitely doing some good work um, so yeah, like I said, if you've not seen last week's or heard last week, should I say, uh, go over. We're covering, we covered offence last week and this week we're going to cover some defence. I'm going to go through some defence if uh, just minus size top players really, aren't we? You know, not, not sort of ranking the, just the top ones, but also some sleepers as well. And, uh, you know, see what differences we have and some uh, what we agree on. We'll just talk about some good players really. Well, the best thing about the NHL draft is everyone has their favourites and there's no, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not science, it's an art form, isn't it, I suppose? And that's the way we get away with I mean, absolutely poor takes that three years down the line <laughs> look <laughs> really bad. But um, yeah, I mean, I am definitely guilty of that. I will definitely push people up my boards uh, who I enjoy watching, who not necessarily a better place than other people, or who I can see specific fits maybe in the NFL and stuff like that. So mm. yeah, let's just let's get through it, man. Let's start. Let's start uh, comparing, see where we're at with each other. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I was going to ask you a quick question before we just get into the actual positions. Really, mm. last week we kind of talked about. Um, the offensive line and how you know you said it wasn't like your favourite 
sort of position to have a look at and kind of grade and things like that. What is your favourite? So anything I'm comfortable with, really. Uh, Started mm. off with the skill positions. Um, absolutely easy to, for me. Scouting quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs is is the easiest part to it because it's what I got interested in the first. You know, of course. Everyone's always interested in the, in the glamour position. <laughs> of course, yeah. I absolutely love scouting defence. I absolutely love watching safeties, cornerbacks, linebackers. Um, maybe not so much the interior defensive line. It's a bit more difficult. Although if you, if you do have kind of like an interior pass rush ability, that makes it easy for me as well. Mm. Um, and obviously, just because the, there's so much variance on the defence, it's, it's very interesting to see. You can see people fit into certain schemes in the NFL players who may be better rushing from a 3-4 or 4-3, all that kind of stuff which I imagine we're going to get into today. Um, the variance on defence makes it much more interesting, I think. So yeah, defence, I've been looking forward to this podcast for a while. Mm. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm known as a bit more of a defence-first kind of person. And corners are my favourite thing to, it's off favourite position, should I say, to kind of look at. So you do get some you know, great athletes when you get the sort of, and we'll talk about a few of these later on, but people that aren't as much of an athlete, but they can play the position really well. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm just a bit of a party pooper and just like people to, you know, that no-fly zone and no, uh, no, no uh, ball coming my way kind of attitude. And I really like it. And you get some feisty characters on the defence as well, which I, I really like. So let's kick it off then. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start in the trenches? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get this one out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, let's kick off with the interior then. So what about, uh, where, where are you looking at interior offensive line? Uh, sorry, defensive line. Um, I'd say there's probably three tiers, uh, certainly at the top of the draft in the uh, interior defensive line. The two big names that most people are probably aware of now are Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. Mm-hmm. I would argue that they're quite clearly um, a step above maybe the rest of them. And you've got some guys towards the end of the first round like Ross Blacklock and Neville Gallimore. And then even in like late second round, mid to late second round, people like Justin Madabrique, um Marlon Davidson, Raekwon Davis, and even... Probably one of your boys, like I forward to from Utah, Matt Smith. Uh, <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say they're the, they're the major names, certainly day one and day two, that are interesting. And for me, at the top of that, I would say that I know Kinlow's getting a lot of buzz at the moment because um, he's so explosive. He's got that upside. I've still got David Brown comfortably higher than Kinlow on my board because he's just done it all before. He's been so consistent through his open career and he's an absolute beast. Mm. Uh, I think we've forgotten just how good Derek Brown is. To me, he's, he's, I think he's my number nine on my big board. He's in the top 10 prospects in this class. I can see because maybe a bit of positional value in the draft, he could fall out of that spot maybe. A little bit certainly if like, someone like the Panthers don't take him at seven or the Jaguars pass on him at nine. But uh, yeah, I, put him, I don't know about you, but I've got him slightly ahead of Kinlaw in my, in, my, uh, in my big board. I do, yeah, I do have him slightly ahead. But like you said, I think they're, I mean, Derek Brown is ahead. He's a kind of in a tiery zone, but Kinlaw's not too far behind. But I think he's also in a tiery zone. And then you do get like Gallimore, Blacklock, Madabuki, those sort of guys who are kind of like light versions of these two guys. And Kinlaw, I think, has come to prominence through his combine. I think a lot of people talk, talk, saw him speak at the combine and heard him talk at the combine. And he kind of wowed a lot of people with his, you know, his story and the way he's a guy as well. So that's uh, it's really positive. It's one of the best things about the combine for me. It's not just the on-field stuff. It's what you get out of him interview-wise. I think I mentioned it last week about Trying to get to know the player off the field as well. I think that's really important. What about oh, yeah, um, what about Derek Brown then? If we're talking about him dropping, is someone going to get a bargain? Do you think? Do you think that's a realistic chance of that happening? I do. Yeah. There's, obviously, there's, you could have people moving up for quarterback. I think you might have some people racing up for tackle in this round. Obviously, there's probably three wide receivers that that are going to be in a battle, maybe around the seven to twelve range. And I think you could possibly see Brown slip out. It all depends. I don't know what quite. It's hard to think about what the 
Panthers are planning on doing because I think mm. you'd be perfect in that system. Um, obviously, they've got a new head coach, got a new regime over there, and they are moving a lot of talent off. And you do wonder if they're kind of tanking a little bit maybe for next year. That's kind of the, my, my thoughts on that. I've kind of stated a little bit when they went and signed Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe they're not so much waiting for Trevor Lawrence or anything like that, but knowing what they're going to do probably plays a big role in it. Uh, Jacksonville got two dra- uh, picks in the first round, and I think they're desperate for help on that interior of the defensive mm, line. So that could very much be. But yeah, top ten pick for me. If he slips, value. Um, I think people might let him slip because of Ken. The difference for me between Brown and Kimbo is very slim. So if that's the, if there's two still on the board, teams might not rush up the board to go and get one of them because they think oh, there's still two. If you know what I mean. And then even at the bottom of the first round, the top of second, you still find value, even though I would say it's a significant drop off to Ross Blacklock and Neville Gallimore. Mm. I've got to make a little bit of a confession, actually. When I was doing my, if we go back maybe 12 months and I was coming into this year, I didn't have Derek Brown um, rated that highly at all, to be honest with you. I just didn't see it, but I just think he's made quite a bit of a leap. Have you made that journey as well, or am I kind of on my own with that one? So I tend not to watch a lot of college football. Um, This year I've watched more college football than ever before. I keep up with it quite well. But in terms of actual players, don't really dive into it. I try to keep as emotionally divested if that's such a word um, <laughs> from it as possible and I just look at basically as soon as Christmas has gone I just get stuck into this into the tape and that's what I've pretty much done this year so Dave Brown he was on my lookout list so we knew his, we knew his value you could see the tools that were there the talent mm. was there um, he certainly put it all together this year without a, a oh, show sure. yeah. did you see the game against Ole Miss where he was on the sideline they got caught up in a substitution he came running on and the almost tried to do the play quickly through a little slant pass out to the running back at the wide. And he acts like a cornerback and just absolutely wiped out the running back. <laughs> yeah. It's the best best thing I've ever seen. That's, that to me has made him a top ten pick. It was fantastic. <laughs> just for that rep alone. No, for sure. Um, let's uh, let's move away because obviously we spent quite a lot of time there on the place that we didn't really want to spend a lot of time on. <laughs> um, let's move on to edge then. This edge class, not that great, I don't think. Just as a general comment, what do you reckon? Spotty, I would say. Yeah, uh, that's a good word, actually. I think you've got a couple of um, elite prospects up there in the, in the wrong kind of regard. It's one, certainly. And then throughout the uh, first round, you'll see a, f- a few names come off the board, maybe three, maybe four, a push. Um, and then you've got, after that, it's more you've got like uh, pure pass rushes, really, rather than, I would, I would say, particularly defensive ends. Because at the end of the day, as much as pass rush and get to the quarterback is valued in the NFL. Teams want to be able to set the edge. They want if mm. you're going to play a four three, they need those defensive ends to be able to push the push the in, you know the, the pocket tight to them and make the running backs go through the middle. And some of these guys, certainly in the second round onwards, they're not that kind of guy. They're situational pass rushers. They'll come in, they've got lethal speed, absolutely lethal speed. Um, to find someone like that in the lower rounds is going to be a little bit more difficult. But uh, yeah, I would still say that in the first round you're going to find some electric talent that's going to be you're going to enjoy watching certainly at the NFL level. So let's not beat around the bush. Then Chase Young, obviously number one for both of us. And then when you're talking about two elite talents, you talk about Chase then as well, the second one? Or are you talking about someone else? No, definitely talking about Khalid and Chase. He's, he's my number 11 on the board, um, purely because he's, he's just athleticism. He's everywhere on the field. It's mm. remarkable watching this guy play. To me, he's very much like Josh Allen was last year, who I undervalued and I've learned my lesson from. That guy, Kentucky, he was a very similar kind of athlete. He was always around the ball and making big-time plays. And I think... What you'll find chasing is he might not be three down uh, edge rusher, but what he will do, he will make plays from day one in the NFL. And I can see him, you know, someone like Atlanta who've just gone and got, uh, I can't remember his name. I did this last week on the podcast. <laughs> I the guy's name. Uh, they went and got Dante Fowler, didn't they? That's from, right, um, yeah. That's right. Los Angeles Rams, but they've had a complete exodus of, of pass rush talent from that roster outside of that. So someone like that on the opposite end, you can come in, maybe play that nice little Leo role that Gus Bradley mm. likes. 
Steam gets to the quarterback there. And at the end of the first round, someone like Ito Gross Matos um, or even AJ Panisa, and I think this opens up a, a big uh, conversation with you, uh, Lee, about schemes and how people fit in because AJ Panisa might not be seen quite as a pure edge rusher because he can play, he probably maybe more even suited as a fire tech in a 3 4. Mm. Um, or, you know, or what, or does he slim down and become that pure edge rusher in a, in a, in a four three? It's very difficult to say. Certainly not stand up. I would I would say outside linebacker. Oh. So he's going to he's going to entice some teams. Teams I would imagine like the Lions, like the Patriots, who really want those guys to be dead durable and stout. But then later on, maybe in the second round, he might sneak in some people's first round. But Zach Bourne from Wisconsin, he's another guy. Is he an edge rusher or is he an outside linebacker in a four three? Very difficult to tell. These kind of players, it all depends on perspective, all depends on scheme. Um, but yeah, I would say Gross Matos and Ipanisa can sneak into that first round. Um, Ipanisa's stock has taken a bit of a tumble, and I don't mm. really know why, because I understand at the beginning of the season, Iowa, he was kind of getting double team, triple team, and he wasn't as effective, but he improved his game throughout the season up to the levels that we thought we knew he was, as we saw in 2018. And um, yet, yeah, it's because he doesn't have that quite that elite athleticism. He is a big dude. You know, mm. the, the height of the guy is is is, is phenomenal. For him to be as kind of like as athletic as he is anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I would still argue that he could go somewhere like Tennessee, somewhere like uh, Seattle. You want those bigger guys on those mm. lines. You can put and can play better in sub packages as well. So they're my main guys to the edge rusher. I don't know if you've got anybody you want to add to that mix, mate. No, I mean, I'll pick up on what you said from Epinesa. I think he is a specific scheme fit for quite a lot of teams. You know, I think it's off that Patriots tree who don't kind of look for that pure speed edge rusher a lot of the time. You know, so we're looking at maybe the Lions later down the line. Obviously not with the, the third pick by any means, but later down the line. Uh, I think you mentioned, obviously, the Dolphins, uh, the Patriots themselves. Any sort of team like that that kind of wants these bigger ends that are kind of good against the run, who are just kind of like pocket movers rather than quarterback chasers, let's say. Um, you can move Epinesa in because he's a massive guy, as you've said. You know, I think he has slipped down rankings a little bit. I think that comes from his combine. I think he did try and slim down, and then he wasn't as athletic as people expected. So you kind of expect him to go one way, and he went actually the other. So it's obviously not what you want. And then you do have these diverse characters, like you say, Zach Bourne. You've got Josh Uche as well, who are kind of these hybrid outside rushers slash linebackers. A little bit like a guy who obviously plays for our team, Chenin Nwosu, who's kind of played a little bit of both. Um, and I think they can both rush the passer, but they can both, with depending on where they land, I think they can both stand up and kind of hold the outside linebacker position in a 4-3 as well. And it's, it gives that diversity, doesn't it, for the defensive, defensive coordinator to kind of use and kind of mix and match. You know, it's almost becoming positionless on some sense of the defence. And obviously we'll talk about one player in a moment who kind of personifies that. But we're kind of moving pieces around. You know, it's not... It's, Everyone's in, no one's in base anymore, you know, for a lot of the portion of the game or for large portions of the game. So we want players that can affect the game multiple ways, neutralise different threats that the offence might bring. And this is what we're getting. We're getting diverse players. It's really exciting that we've got these players. It's not, you know, it's not a 4-3 outside linebacker anymore or a defence end. It's a hybrid player almost with a lot of these players. It's really good. And one player that I will throw in to this mix is Curtis Weaver from Boise State. Came to went to Boise State as a defensive tackle and then moved outside. And I think he can kind of play that hybrid both inside and outside role, kind of like a bit of a Michael Bennett, let's say. He's not the most um, athletic pass rusher in the world, but he can, he's hot motor, keeps going uh, no matter what, and he'll get after you all game long. And I think he'll be very successful both inside and outside as a pass rusher. So he's my kind of like, maybe not a late round sleeper by any means, but he's going to be in the mid rounds late second, early third, maybe. And I think he'll be very, very good, especially in a good scheme like that with a good defensive coordinator, both playing inside and out. 
So I had Curtis Weaver as, as a little bit overrated, but only if you went got a bit excited and picked him in the first round or second round. What you're saying though is exactly right. His football smarts though are phenomenal. And you can you can mm. definitely see he has to play the four three for me. He has to play the yeah. four three really. Um and that's playing the lack of versatility there, as we just discussed. I mean, what is base nowadays? It doesn't mm. exist anymore. Yeah, because you want players you want players to be fluid. Uh, and he could struggle a little bit there. But I think if you get him in the third round, then yeah, that is absolute value. My sleeper I would say I got a little bit higher than Curtis Weaver is Alex Highsmith from Charlotte. Yeah. Um, and that's because, again, a little bit like he hasn't got the whole package. He is, he's just ridiculous athleticism when you watch him. He's like an absolute torpedo into that backfield. I would say that he's the other way around. He's just almost like the complete opposite to Curtis Weaver. He's more like a 3-4 outside linebacker. Let him stand up. Let him prowl around that wide edge of the line of scrimmage. And if he can get stronger, then I think you've got absolute upside there. Um, someone to develop and maybe run the field a little bit more than just passing situations, if you know what I mean. But that's a guy who's not played football for so long. He didn't have the easiest of transitions into college game. He didn't get the big offers. He ended up going to Charlotte. And um, he's done well. And I think and that's a third-round guy for me as well. If you can get him mid to late third round, then that's value for you too. Definitely, yeah. Definitely top 100 player. Um, and I think we were doing the UK NFL fans mock uh, that's been kind of running. It's done his first round. It's going on its second round. I was drafting for the Chargers and Alex Highsmith was there uh, just before our fourth round pick. And I was saying to Dave, who I was doing it with, and I was like, this isn't in our plan, but Alex Highsmith in the fourth round, if he drops that far, you've got to kind of pull the trigger on it. And I think he got picked one or two picks before us and we were gutted, you know, and I think obviously it's just a simulation of between fans, but if something like that happened, you know, in the, in the couple of weeks time, then you've just got to pull the trigger, like I say, because it's a great talent and a really high ceiling for a premium position at the end of the day. And that's really important. Well, I think if you've got a, a creative defensive coordinator then yeah you don't really need to worry about what for, what what system is your base mm. system do you because you can just put him on the field that's basically what a Leo linebacker is it's a team that plays a 4-3 defense who wants to stand up linebacker you can jump the line of scrimmage as and when the snap occurs I think that's essentially what what these, these people get a bit more athleticism a bit more explosion onto their line yeah. and um, yeah I think I've done I mean, if you've managed to get Alex Smith in the fourth round, you're winning this draft. That's the kind of picks. Mm. That's how you win drafts is when you get value that value falls to you. That's why all these teams are making so many free agency moves before the draft because they don't want to be penciled, pigeonholed into making certain positional picks because they yeah, want to be sure. able to take, take value when it falls to you. And if that happens to Alex Highsmith, then someone's going to grab him. They're going to be very, very happy with him. Yeah, definitely. That's how, you know, I was talking with one of the other full 10 yards guys, Adam, um, over the weekend, I think it was. We were trying to pick the... It's just on WhatsApp chat. We're just trying to pick the best draft pick um, at each position for the last 10 years. Sorry, in each round for the last 10 years. And the same teams come up each year throughout, you know, getting late round picks, late round picks and early early round picks that are obviously working. And then you're getting your value at the fourth, fifth round. And these same teams coming up, Patriots, Eagles. And these are the guys that are winning Super Bowls, Ravens. Yeah, exactly. These are the guys who win the Super Bowls and get into the end, you know, in the postseason. So... This is where you win the draft, and it's how you build the team. And this is why it's so important, like you say. So, yeah, no, for sure, definitely agree with all that. Let's move on to linebacker then. First of all, are we are we classing Isaiah Simmons as a linebacker? Where are you? Where are you putting him? I'm classing him as linebacker. I think just because you call him a linebacker, and obviously, like this is a guy which is something we've never really seen before. Like we've seen versions of this guy, but if you want to take it to, this, is him taking it to the next level. A guy who can absolutely play anyway if in a back seven of a defense, mm. and even <laughs> possibly offer you blitz potential as well. So this is a guy that literally is, as they say, that chess piece, which my colleague on the collapsing pocket, uh, Sam Aker, would take offense to because uh, everyone was telling <laughs> How versatile chess pieces are. And he says chess pieces, <laughs> they're not versatile. They do one thing, you know. Um, 
That isn't Isaiah Simmons. He can do absolutely anything on this football field. We're talking linebacker, safety, nickel, corner. Like I say, rush the passer. He can do it all. And he's one of the main reasons why Clemson have been so good the last two years. So good on defence. I mean, they lost a load of talent this time last year. The Clemson on that defence. They were still lights out this year because he's proud of the backfield. Just, just absolutely dominating from anywhere and anything. He can do it all. He's, he's, he's my number three on my board. Um, I'm a bit... I, I mean, I'd love to have him higher. There's just... I, I haven't been able to push him any further than that. <laughs> One thing I would say about the Simmons, and I don't know if you agree with me, Lee, is that if he ends up on a very vanilla team, he could be wasted to some extent. You know, Definitely. Like there's a lot of rumours even going to the uh, Giants at number four, which obviously you know that's well within his, his draft range. Mm, but oh, um, sure. do you want to see him in that defense, or do you want to see him, I don't know, somewhere like in a, in a Saints defense where they can just be so much more fluid and just hide him and and ex- and, and use him, exploit his ability wherever they can, uh, or do you want to see him in the Giants where he'll just end up getting stuffed up as a, as a linebacker? Um, and even as a middle linebacker, you think, what are you doing with him when you could, you could just be using him elsewhere and win? You know, it's, it's all about matchups. And I don't, I do worry that if he ends up somewhere that's a bit boring, he could be negated a little bit. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, first of all, like you said, you've hit the nail on the head. You don't get this guy, uh, especially on defense at all. You know, he's six foot four. He's got all the athletic, he's a wide receiver playing on the defense, you know, and it's, I don't know how and who persuaded him to play on defense, but. It's incredible that they managed to do that, you know, because you get these guys and they want to catch touchdowns when you're dancing in the end zone. They don't want to be stopping people and tackling people. So, uh, yeah, that's one, one, one aspect of it. And he wants to be a mismatch neutralizer. You don't want him to like be pigeonholed by any, any position, really, you know, because you're going to move him around. I want to see him being used in the way that Brent Venables used him at Clemson, where he doesn't mm-hmm. really have a position. This is why I opened up this sort of section when we talk about linebackers by asking you, are you even classing him as a linebacker? Because on my mock drafts, on my articles, I'm just writing defence as his position because that's what he does cover, you know. It's not, I've got him in my linebacker rankings, but I mean, I think that's where he'll be sort of pigeonholed if there is a case. But like you say, you do want him to go to a creative defensive mind uh, where he can be moved around. I think one of his best fits, and he'll never, ever, ever get this far down, would be to go to Seattle. And if he could just play fast for Pete Carroll and just do whatever he wants to do, basically. Obviously, he's never going to make it and Seattle aren't going to trade up for him, but that, I think, would be the ideal fit. If you could kind of pluck him and just put him in there, playing for Pete Carroll, who just says, play fast, and he'll just run around and make plays for you all day long. Um, I'm in a bit of a quandary as well with our team, and I don't want it to become a Chargers podcast by any means, but if he's available at six, I don't know whether we should just take him and just think about quarterback later, because what a defence that'll create. I don't know what you feel about that one. Well, first and foremost, there's nothing wrong with turning anything into a charity <laughs> podcast. Mate. But uh, I think it just would be unfair if we took Isaiah Simmons. I think we'd have the best defence by a country mile in the NFL, especially the back end. It'd just be ridiculous. Absolutely. Mm. Him and Derwin James on the same team. <laughs> just forget about it. Yeah. Absolutely forget about it. I'd love, I'd love to be quarterbacks in the AFC. Just Paddy Mahomes would be having nightmares there. And that, and that would be, you know, that's something we never ever said before. Just imagine. That'd be good. I, can, I can see us doing it to be honest. If he falls to six and we don't have the quarterback we want, I could see us taking Simmons just thinking, sod it, you know, that's it, we're having this. This is our defense now. And every uh, it, mouth watering. I mean, we've got a lot of people to pay at the end of this, of this season. Mm. I just find like it's going to be interesting to see if we can keep also, you know, and all the other pieces that are on that defense. But God almighty, for one year, it'd be beautiful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's it, is that you've got to, you've, you've mentioned Mahomes and you've got a draft and you've got to build your team to win your division. So if you've got someone like that and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, 
in those two threats, you can kind of negate with James and Simmons, you know, and make it a lot more hard for the Chiefs to win that division. So I think it's something that we could do, and I'd be awfully excited to see it happen. Uh, think about quarterback later and just keep everyone to scoring 10 points a game. I think it doesn't give uh, Tyron much to shoot at, does it, you know, in terms of winning the game, if we can do that. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's something that I would, I'd be, I don't know, I'm kind of split on it. I kind of want, want to do it, but uh, quarterbacks are quite important as well. But I'll be happy either way. But if we get Simmons, like you say, it'd be unfair on the rest of the league, I think. Uh, he makes you drool, doesn't he? That's the, that's the thing about Simmons. But, um, Absolutely. It says this linebacker class. Any other year, you consider the next two guys we're going to talk about, um, there's, you know, top-tier linebackers mm. in, in the group. And I think because Simmons, obviously, we penciled him as a linebacker in this, they kind of... There is a drop off in, in terms of in terms of star quality, mm. but not nevertheless. Like Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, these two linebackers, they occupy seventeen and eighteen on my big board. Um, I can barely split them because they're very similar kind of guys. At first, I thought Kenneth Murray was just a run thumper, and he's absolutely not. The both, mm, no. uh, both of them are rangy Mike linebackers with the nose for the football. And um, Patrick Queen this year, um, very often I was watching that LSU defense, and he was the best player on that defense, which yeah, a year ago. A year ago, I didn't even know who Patrick Queen was uh, this year. Whereas Kenneth Murray's the other way around. He's been productive for, for Oklahoma through for three years now. And that's probably why I remember Murray one spot above Queen. But I can see certain teams liking each of them. I can see the Saints probably liking Patrick Queen. I can see the Ravens liking Kenneth Murray. Oh, yeah, you know. definitely. I've, that's a big fit that I've got in a lot of my articles and mock drafts is uh, Murray to the Ravens, for sure. That blitz package that he brings and blitz ability, for sure. Sorry, I kind of cut you off then. Carry on. No, that's all right. <laughs> the, the two of them, this is it's just a chat. These, these two remind me of the two Devins last year. You know, the, the teams are going to fall in love with them. They could be move, move up the ball for them. Um, if, if Murray like, falls all the way down to the Ravens, then it's a, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? They haven't really mm-hmm. played CJ Mosley. Uh, he lost to the Jets this time last year. You know, they've got other pieces on that defense. Like Matt Julian, they tagged him, but are they going to try and trade him? Because obviously they don't really want to pay him. Mm-hmm. Um he just feels like he feels like a raven, and Patrick Queen to some extent feels like a saint. He's got that feistiness, you know, that, that kind of like chip on his shoulder, and I like mm-hmm. that too. But yeah, these two guys—they're the next ones. And then I know you're not a massive fan of this linebacker class. So no, <laughs> that, might, you can probably <laughs> throw him. Malik Harrison might be a second rounder. Um, he's an old school run stuffer, and if he comes anywhere near him, you know, he's hitting it. That's the way he is. That's the way he was going to be. And maybe ten years ago, he'd be a first round pick, but not now. And after that. It's time for some sleepers, and I know I sent over. Um, I've been trying to convince you about Logan Wilson for a long time, and I think you did a great piece. Uh, if anyone wants to go and read it um, about him and a good scouting job there, mate. And he, the reason why I like him is he can, he can do it all. He's very, he's quite savvy. You know, he can drop into coverage from from linebacker spots, and he can, he can blitz. He can, you know, he can take away the running back. I like everything about him. Mm. Uh, he's one of my sleepers, and I didn't want to talk too much about him because obviously you've done your work on him. <laughs> but um, I think. Whilst it's not after you a massive drop off, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, but I think there's value to be found this, in this back end there. Uh, Joe Bacci, uh, Evan Weaver, they're both run stuff as you can get maybe in the fifth, sixth round. And Willie Gay, a blitzer, you know, maybe again late round pick. I, I like value in the lower rounds and I think mm. they offer it. My sleep would probably be Marcus Bailey, especially after watching um, the video his agent put out of him doing his drills um, uh, this uh, off season. Obviously, it's very difficult for teams to get medical um, reports on these on these guys at the moment. Uh, and Marcus Bailey needs a medical report because he's been injured throughout his college career. Mm. Um, two injuries to the same knee, which is obviously is demoralising. But he was he was my favourite linebacker going into 2019 um, because he's just so he's just 
everywhere. He's an animal. And I don't want to say he's as good as Ray Lewis, but he reminded me of watching Ray Lewis where he knew what was coming. And if it was within a reasonable distance, he's not sideline to sideline, neither was mm. Ray Lewis. But if it's between the tackles, then there's nobody, he's going to be there and he's going to stop you. And that was the beauty of Marcus Bailey. But yeah, absolutely gutted for him to get that injury. And I think it is going to seriously, seriously affect his draft cut. But if he is fit, someone's going to get someone back in the fifth, early sixth that is um, a guy I think can be a three down linebacker in the NFL. And that's the. That's probably the only one I would throw out to you and say, what's your opinion on Marcus Bailey and do you see him being that kind of guy? Like you say, I mean, it comes down to the medicals, doesn't it, unfortunately? And like you say, I, I think what I was kind of thinking of as you kind of talk about him, he's like a black hole for running backs that are coming in between the tackles, just gobbles them up as they come through. Um, like you say, he doesn't have the range and probably won't have the range given his injury history now. But mm. if you're after a two-down run stuffer, you know, and we're talking about scheme fits and things like that, I think when we're getting after the elite guys now, there's probably, like you say, the three and you've summed it up really nicely. You're searching for people to fill roles for you, you know. And if you are just after a two-down run stuff, you could do much worse than Marcus Bailey in the fifth or sixth round, maybe even later than that, you know, seventh, maybe even undrafted free agent given his um, his uh, injury history. But yeah, you are looking for you kind of all rounds if you can find one like Logan Wilson, maybe Akeem Davis Gaith is another one that I quite like. He's got good coverage ability, uh, but you are just looking for someone to fill a role for you. Um, Troy Dye can't let down the Pac-12 without mentioning to anyone. Obviously, in Oregon. Um, one, again, not too much in terms of he's got a lot of range. He's, got, he's he's kind of like a nice body type. He's quite tall. He needs to put on some muscle, but can cover. But in terms of like run stuff and ability, not too much there. But again, if you're just looking for like coverage linebacker or someone to you know help you out on special teams, you might be able to do that for you. But again, I mean, I'm not going to sound off too much about that linebacker class because I have to die on this hill of it. I don't think it's very good. But uh, no, you are right. There is there is people there too. You can kind of point out, and like you did do that with me with Logan Wilson. I did was you know I was pleasantly surprised, let's say, um, with Logan Wilson. So yeah, no, I think you'd be able to get some value, but I don't think you'll get much at the top. No, and I think people like Troy Dye and people like uh, Keen Davis Gay that they're going to probably benefit from the fact that there is a bit of a void between. Luke Harrison, and then those next tier of guys. I think you'll find them sneaking into the third round, day two kind of picks. And it won't surprise me at all because teams are always looking for... Every year, there's always... The, the linebacker group is always a smaller group to scout. And that's obviously because, you know, there's less positions. There's people want that middle linebacker. And people who play weak side linebacker in the NFL, certainly an off-the-ball um, formation, they're middle linebackers who haven't really made it. They're ones with more speed, probably can chase the ball down for the back end. So the middle linebacker is the one to try and find and think... King Davis Gaither will probably get moved to weak side um, because he's so fast, because he's so rangy. Um, and those kind of guys, yeah, I think they'll sneak up into the third round just a little bit. Certainly Troy Dye as well, because he because they have a nose for the football. And um, whilst they might not be worthy of that pick, it's similar to some other positions like edge rusher, like quarterback. They will go a little bit earlier than they probably should. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I guess what you've got nowadays with linebackers, because everyone is trying to get smaller, get faster, is you get safeties converted into linebackers and they're taking the, the draft positions of uh, true linebackers that have played the position the whole way through and the teams are trying to convert them. We'll maybe we're trying to come on to that a little bit later on when we talk about the safeties. But before that, let's talk about corners then. Obviously, a position that both of us kind of like. Um, so who's like the top five for you? Just give me a quick run through. Because to me, this is a really, really good corner class. It's very, very deep. And we might not have the same order here. Oh, it's deep. Don't get me wrong. And Jeff Kuda's number one by a country mile. He's for the sure. best player. He's, he's my number one player on this board. He's the best player in this draft class for me, and he's the best corner I've ever scouted. Uh, I don't say that lightly. He's just he's good at everything. There's nothing he's not good at. He's even the little things that you think, oh, has he got an attitude problem, or is he overconfident? Is he confident? There's none of that. He is one of the best prospects I've ever seen on tape. He's just phenomenal. And it, 
I, you don't see cornerbacks go very high in, in, in the NFL draft because normally the class is quite deep. And this year, it's very much the case. But Jeff Okuda, despite there being so many good talents this in this group that you probably get in the second round, he's still going to go in the top six picks. Um, mm. He's got the Detroit Lions going to take him if they can't find a, a dance partner to trade out as three. They're going to take him, and if they do, it's probably going to be the, the Dolphins or the Chargers at five or six, and they're going to take him then. Uh, they're very safe in the knowledge that if they trade out with one of those guys, they're still going to get Jeff Okuda. They're in a win-win scenario with Okuda, aren't they? The way, the way it's all going to fall, because if you've got, you know, no one's, you know, one's going to trade up for him. They're going to be trading up for a quarterback. But yeah, you can, you're going to be able to accumulate picks and get, like you say, one of the best players in the draft. Like you say, if not the best player from your point of view. Of course, yeah, it's not a big trade back, but you know, any more capital helps with a team like the Lions who need a lot of help. But after that, I still argue that I'd say that. CJ Henderson's my number two guy, and I say he's a little bit elevated from the rest of them. But after that, you've got a massive group of players Christian Fulton, AJ Terrell, who I want to talk about a little bit because I think that for some reason people have watched the national championship game, so one half of bad football and decided he's not a good quarterback when mm. you should be watching two years of football and seeing how just how good this guy is. To me, he's a first round quarterback, and I don't care what anyone says. Uh, Jeff Gladney, he's kind of a sticky, hard work quarterback who I love to watch play football. You've got Jalen Johnson from Utah, who's really long corner. Um, I'm a little bit less so hot on Trayvon Diggs. I think he's a guy who just he looks the part. You know, he should be this massive run stuffer. He should be, you know, hit hard, but he just doesn't, even though he's got great instincts and ball skills. I've still got him as a borderline first round pick. And then you've got like Noah Igbenogane and uh, Damon Arnett. You know, nice, stuff. you've practiced mm-hmm. that. Oh, I've been nailing that. This is a massive draft class of, of talent that you'll see maybe eight or nine cornerbacks go in the top 50 picks. And I think all those names that I've just mentioned there could go. And um, I don't know what, that's pretty much my order. So, Akuda number one, CJ uh, Henderson is my number 15 on my board, then Fulton, Terrell, Gladney, Johnson, Diggs. I don't know what, what your uh, order is, mate. Um, yeah, so I've got Akuda at number one, obviously. Um, fairly clearly, um, I do like my number two guy, which is Christian Fulton, actually. I have him over Henderson. I just, I just think Christian Fulton has been just a top level player just for the last couple of years. If you, if you think back to maybe this time last year, we were talking about Greedy Williams coming out of LSU, and we were talking about um, Christian Fulton actually better than Greedy Williams when he was like a year behind him. And then now we're kind of seeing that a little bit with Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton, but I don't think that's quite there yet. But anyway, um, I do think Christian Fulton's kind of shown it. He's shown it against top level opposition. He's obviously gone out and won the national championship. And along with Patrick Queen and Derek Stingley, I think those three guys were kind of like the heartbeat of that defence. And it obviously was the side of the ball that was kind of talked about less in the in the end, obviously with the sort of record breaking LSU offense. So yeah, big fan of Christian Fulton. Jeff Gladdy is my number three, then Henderson, then I, I really love Jalen Johnson. It's probably my Pac-12 sort of loving, but uh, Jalen Johnson's really, really high for me. I think he's a bit grabby, but he's got that, he's got the perfect length, he's got the perfect sort of reach and, and length of, not just his arms, his whole body. Uh, he's got requisite sort of enough athleticism, but his competitiveness, I think, just puts him over the edge for me. He's so feisty, so competitive. He just doesn't want to let anyone catch any balls at all. Uh, so he, he runs out my top five. I do like Terrell, and I'm not kind of dropping him down because of the reasons you say, which I do think is true. I do think people are judging him on certain aspects of games and little portions of games. But I just think it's such a good group. I just, I, it's, I, it's like when we were talking earlier about um, tackles last week, and when we were talking about top 15 players or top 20 players, there's about 60 top, you know, first round picks in this draft, isn't there? It's one of those things you can't have everyone, so you can't have everyone in the top 10 or top 5, however many you're narrowing it down with. I wanted to ask you about one player, and I was reading your column about rankings on the touchdown, uh, I think it was over the weekend or something like that, maybe back in the last week. Number 11 on your rankings, do you remember who that is? Yeah. No. That's just testing <laughs> <you> now. <laughs> testing now, you know, your rankings. 
Bryce Hall. Bryce okay. Hall is a player that I really like. Before the season, before the injury, he was, and this is obviously before Jeffrey Good came on the scene, because obviously Ohio State is so deep. Bryce Hall was my number one quarterback coming into this season. What are your thoughts on him? So every year I do a lookout list um, of all different positions at college football, and Bryce Hall was my number one quarterback on that list. He's mm. an instinctive ball player. He's to say that the injury derail, injury derails a lot of prospects, especially sure. when the draft stops concerned. No, no one has had that worse than Bryce Hall has had this year, um, because he hasn't been able to showcase his ability for Virginia, who had a great season. Um, I, I kind of predicted that a little bit. I thought Virginia were going to be good this year, and they did. They did well to get to the uh, AAC championship game. But I just think that if he's if again, it's just just like we discussed um, with Marcus Bailey, injury is very important. It depends how. You know how teams feel about him, but outside of that injury, I don't think he was particularly injury prone at college. I think it was, a, you know, it, it wiped out his best opportunity to showcase his talents. But the, his ball playing skills are phenomenal. Unbelievable! He, yeah. He'll take, he'll shut down a corner. He'll, he'll, he'll absolutely shut down one side of the field for you. He, he's very sticky. Um, I like his feistiness. I like, his, I like the way ability he gets his hands in there every time. Mm. He knows what he's doing. He's very smart, cerebral quarterback, and he's only down there that low because I don't think. I don't think he will get picked higher because just because of the injury, really. And I think if it wasn't for that and he was able to be this like stellar college football player throughout his career, I think he will be up in the top mix. And I, I love that guy. Is he your sleeper then, take it? Yeah, I mean, I am kind of, kind of don't really want to say a sleeper because I do like him that much, but he kind of has to be because of the injuries, like you say. It just, I just wanted to bring him up because I saw him kind of low down on your rankings and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. But obviously, it's kind of because of injury. It's kind of the same sort of thought process, really. It's not that we don't like him more. Um, no, yeah, it's just because the, the class is so big, someone has to be no, uh, quarterback 11, don't they? Yeah. If it wasn't him, it'd be somebody else. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I just made a note of it, so I wanted to pick it up with you and pick a bone with you a little bit. I thought it was a bit, bit low Use down. my cornerback 11. That was, that was nasty. <laughs> that, like. I do hey, like... I, um, sorry, go on. I was just going to say that I'm going to let you off for the Utah um, love because I love Utah as well. And I think, you know, even though you, you, you are very much focused on the Pac-12, um, this... Secondary for Utah does deserve a lot of attention, and we'll talk about safety in a minute. But also, mm. aside from Jalen Johnson, there's a guy called Javelin Guidry, which I would say that he's uh, a bit of a sleeper as well. From maybe in the fifth round, stuff like that. He's very, very quick. He's got some work to do on his um, on obviously, he needs a bit more physicality and his ball playing skills sometimes are a bit shoddy. But the speed he teams will look for sometimes, especially in the late rounds, for, for people who can do things they can't cope. You can't teach speed, that's just that simple. And that was yeah. one of Al Davis's old mottos. He's very good, I like him. But my sleeper is uh, Amy Robertson from Florida Atlanta. This is a quarterback who is 172 pounds, so he plays like he's 30 pounds heavier than he is. He's, he's got no idea. He's like, um, you see, like um, when dogs are barking at each other, and one's like a tiny little yapper dog. <laughs> Going for this like big Doberman, you think, what are you doing? That is Amy Robertson. He will not back down to anybody. He'll just absolutely barrel into tight ends. He'll he's he's just he's just brutal. I I remember watching um Florida Atlantic in the first game of the season against Texas this year. And I didn't realise at the time, because obviously I wasn't scouting, but I was just like, who the hell is this cornerback who's giving us all kinds of issues? <laughs> and it turned out, I went and watched the tape again, that this something was Amy Robertson. And if you watch all this tape, he's just like that throughout it. I'm I bet he's the number 99 player. I'd love to see, um, I think we could probably do with the late round corner. I would absolutely love to see Amy Robinson come to the charges. He's just that kind of guy. You just, you just think, yeah, go on, stick it to him. A bit like Cortland Finnegan. He just used to wind up big boy receivers all day long. This is that guy, and I love it. 
Yeah, definitely. It's a little bit like um, when we were talking about offensive tackles and I was saying how you want them to be a bit of a nasty, you know, a bit of a knobhead, as you were saying. You, know, you want them yeah. to kind of enjoy putting people into the ground. You want the cornerback to be the most brash, most confident person on your defence because you don't want them to get beat. And he does bring that attitude to him, for sure. And I think, uh, yeah, like you say, it's the feistiness that you want. You, know, you see it with Bryce Hall, you see it with uh, Amit Robinson. So, yeah, no, it's definitely a, an aspect of it that I look out for. One name um, I kind of want to show off by saying it, but also my sleeper as well, outside of Bryce Hall, is Michael Ujimudia from uh, Iowa. I think he's a good late-value pick uh, late on. Uh, he's got the height, he's got the speed, and I don't think he's been talked about enough. And I think in those later stages of the draft, what we're getting, and when you get after all the, ta- all the names we've just spoke about and a couple of others, you get in towards, there's a big group of what could be kind of nickel-only corners who are going to be in that range. You know, you've got... Trujan Bandy, uh, the guy from Washington, that I'm, Miles Bryan, I'm mm. thinking of, Isang Bassi. They're all nickels only. They're not going to be um, outside corners, but Michael Ujimudi is going to be in that range, but also an outside corner. So once you've got, maybe you've prioritised other areas of the draft as your team, you know, you've picked other areas, and you're looking for an outside corner, you're thinking, oh my God, who, who the hell am I going to pick? It's going to be between him and AJ Green, and AJ Green's not good. So you're going to pick Ujimudi, and I think he's going to be a good pick-up for someone. Uh, so another name for people to kind of maybe practice and also uh, to look out for later in the round. So yeah, one for me as well. I enjoyed it as you moved actually. I, I like watching this Iowa secondary. We'll, we'll talk a little bit maybe about if, if he's one of your guys, Geno Stone, uh, as a safety as well. They're, they're, kind of, they're looking for that next tier of guys when they're recruiting, of guys who are willing to go to Iowa who very much run the football, smash mark kind of football, and mm. the skill positions from both sides of the football might get a little bit neglected. But they're looking for guys for traits, and as media has those, he's able, to, he's able to cling to receivers, which is... Again, it's you know those instincts, that kind of um, ball playing nouse is what you know is what makes people to set up and take notice. And yeah, he's not the whole package. Of course, he's not. We we'll be discussing a six-round draft pick if, if mm. it were, you know. But um, certainly, seeing going someone like the Patriots, who know how to get the best out of players like that, I would. I think I mocked him. I've done a seven-round mock, which will be coming out just before the draft. It's absolutely mental. And if there's any trades, go ahead in the NFL before that comes out. I'll be furious. <laughs> but uh, I think I've got to go into the Patriots later on. I think he's that kind of guy. You really will get extra value. It's all about value at the moment mm. of the round. And I think he provides that. Yeah, definitely. I think well, you think you hit the nail on the head a minute ago when you said about you, traits that you can't teach. You know, you can't teach height, you can't teach speed, you can't teach girth. You know, things like that. You you mm. just can't. You've got to get these players in through the door. Um, so yeah, no, there's a lot of value left in this cornerback class. I think it's very very deep, and you'll be getting good players coming out in the in day three for sure, and making a difference to teams where they go. I feel definitely so. Last one then, let's hit the safeties. Um, obviously, I think for you and for everyone else, there's probably a couple of tiers. There's, there's a couple who are right up there that maybe going to be in the first round and then after that, maybe a separate tier. A couple of small school guys and then after that, it kind of drops off again for me. And maybe you'll have a couple of other names for them. But we're talking about Grant Elpitt and Xavier McKinney. How, which way around do you see these two? Oh, without a doubt, I've got McKinney at the top. I think mm-hmm. um, if you looked at it 12 months ago, you might have a different opinion. But McKinney was an all-round star for Alabama last year. Now, I will pre, uh, just put a little post-it note on this um, section and say that I think all these safeties may find first-round um, status hard to come by. I think that they might all end up in the second round. but um, And that's just the way the ball falls. On. But I think McKinney's well worthy. He could go as high as 17 to Dallas. He could go as low as like the, the early thir- the late 30s in the second round. I think um, that's why I penciled him in. But Grant Delpit, he was absolute stud in 2018. And he's still mm. fun to watch. But the guy just doesn't tackle properly, you know, and that is going to be that is going to frustrate teams so much that they won't pick until the second round. Um, he's really going to let him down. Uh, but in terms of smarts, positional sense, you know, anticipation, instincts to break on the football, he's got all that. He just mm. he just doesn't wrap up properly, and I think he, sometimes he'll 
he'll he'll just whiff on tackles. He won't even he doesn't really want to get involved. I don't know if that was he did have a little injury at the beginning of the year, and you and it was I think it was collarbone. I can't remember exactly now, but you do wonder whether or not that was something to do with it. But I would now move. I've moved Grant Delpit more into. I've got one one A as my T is really Xavier McKinney to me is out there uh, as a top prospect. But I would I would bracket Delpit more with Antoine Winfield Jr., who's one of my favourite guys in this class. Okay. Um, as a safety that you'll find early to mid second round rather than maybe in the same status that McKinney is, and um, it's a bit of a shame. And I think you know that play gives a team some certain value and upside in the second round because I think that Delpit can certainly correct those mistakes. It's just it's just weird to see that and a, and a uh, LSU defense that was so good mm. in other areas, and that probably masked it. You know, it probably hid the fact that he could kind of ride it a little bit, which is a bit concerning for teams. Um, but I just remember 2018. I remember just how good he was and how excited we all were to watch him last year. And I think that you know that alone will get him drafted in the second round. He won't go any further than that. Mm. Which you just he's just an unknown commodity to some extent for the for the next level. And I think that's what stops him from being a first round pick now. Yeah, I mean, you get you get some old school coaches, don't you, in the, in the NFL, and they, they just want people who can tackle. You know, Mike Zimmer's mm-hmm. always one. He will always pick big cornerbacks because they can tackle, and he'll want that all over his defence. You'll get people just like that with that old school mentality. And it does transfer over to safety as well, because obviously it's the last line of defence. You want people to be able to tackle. And obviously, if he's whiffing on tackles all the time, it's going to cost you a problem even more so than it would do in college. So, yeah, I would definitely have McKinney above Delpit nowadays, which is a massive shame, because I was a huge Delpit fan six, six uh, months ago, maybe 12 months ago. Um, before the season began and, and yeah he's kind of had a big fall from grace hasn't he Winfield then is he not a bit too small yeah well, his size he's, he's small he's not the fastest so what I don't care he's absolutely amazing he's, he's phenomenal he's, ball skills nobody, are player, aren't they oh ridiculous no one knows the position better than he does he can play single high he can play too deep he can, he can play that, that split safety role mm. he come, come down to the box he's got the aggression to make the big hits uh, he's got the confidence. Um, Ollie Hodgkinson, my colleague at the touchdown, uh, had an interview with him, uh, asked him to rank the, the top three safeties. He put himself to the top and said he didn't care who came after that. Um, so that's the kind of guy you want at yeah, the back end. Definitely. Obviously, you know, he's going to get talked about having good bloodlines. His dad, Antoine mm-hmm. Winfield Senior, uh, was a draft pick for the Buffalo Bills, but played most of his career in Minnesota. He was a, you know, a multiple pro bowler. Mm. Um, and I think what Winfield's done this last season, Minnesota's fairy tale college football seasons, actually a lot of your listeners will know about, he really elevated himself above that tier two group that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, mm. But to me, so much so that he's at the top end of the second round. And that, he's another guy that, I mean, there's too many guys that I want all on my team, to be honest. <laughs> but, I, but what I would like to see is him go to a, a good place, a nice home, you know, a good fit for him, just so that he can showcase just how good he is. And yeah, you're right. He's undersized. He's not. He's not got the elite athleticism, but he's got everything else. And at the end of the day, if you can play football, you should be playing football. That's the way I see Antoine Winfield. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I think with Winfield, one thing that he is is a rare commodity in this draft class, especially because there's not a lot of deep guys. I think we see a lot of box safety guys in this in this draft class, especially near the top. Mm. And he's one of only maybe a handful who can play deep, so he's going to be valuable in that sense because it's obviously the most important position. Uh, out of the two in the secondary, for the in terms of safeties, anyway. Um, so no, I think he'll be. I think he'll be a high draft pick. I think he could maybe sneak into the top. Uh, top. Uh, sorry, the back end of the first round. Sorry. Definitely. When do you think his range is? I think he could go. I think he could be anywhere between maybe thirty and forty. I think that that's probably where he's, he's at right now. It all depends. Mm. I mean, again, safety is a position that maybe isn't as valued as other positions. No. The team, which I think is ludicrous, considering like you just said, it's the last line of defense. You know, you want some. And we all, you can see just throughout 
football history, just how important an elite safety can be. Ed Reed was a difference maker for the Baltimore Ravens, mm. one of my favourite ever players to, to, watch, to watch play the game. Without him, they wouldn't win that Super Bowl with Joe Flacco at quarterback. You know, mm. and you can find Charles Woodson, who obviously played quarterback and safety. You know, the Packers and the Raiders. You know, there's, there's names like this throughout, throughout, speckled throughout the mm. NFL that are difference makers. I can say, and obviously, me and you enjoy scouting DBs. I think they are underrated. So. It depends, doesn't it? Really, you could see him falling maybe a little bit more if teams aren't that uh, you know mm. interested in picking up a safety that high. But in terms of talent alone, to me, in that, that thirty to forty range is perfect for him. Yeah, and like you no. say, after that, you are looking at the big hitters, aren't you? Really, and it also might sneak into the second round. Depends what you want. So we're talking about these small school guys, then we're talking about these big hitters because both these guys can definitely lay the wood on someone, can't they? Oh, the brutal. <laughs> so. Um, Cal Doug is the, the famous one. Everyone knows, will know more about him from Lenore Ryan. Um, but I would argue that uh, Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois is probably a little bit better. Um, I, I, I fit that way as well. I think Jeremy Chin's better than Cal Duggar. But I think that's maybe because he's more sort of mature in his body. Like Jeremy Chin's got an NFL body right now, whereas Cal mm. Duggar's always been the size. That's why he went to Lenore Ryan. Um, and he's had to kind of build himself up from the, the bottom up almost, if you know what I mean, in, in sort of a more rapid fashion. Yeah, uh, which, which is a good trait in itself, isn't it? To be mm. honest, like, oh, for sure. So uh, that's good. Uh, more importantly than me and you believing that is that uh, Rebecca Rennie believes that early. So you know we're, we're, on, the, <laughs> we're on the right path there. Uh, Jamie Chin uh, is a little bit higher than Caldo, but I think they're both second round or borderline second, third round picks. Yep. And I think you can throw in um, maybe like Ashton Davis from California into that group as well because he's another brutal. Absolutely. Although he has the range because he's, he's he a former track guy. Mm. He can play, he could put, eventually. When he's, he's holding his instincts a little bit more, I think he could play single high, or certainly, you know, at the back end, deep safety position. But for now, he's got the tenacity and the aggression to drop down to that box and lay the wood between the mm. tackles. And I think that, yeah, those three guys, second, third round, because maybe they're not quite the whole package yet, whereas the other three have showcased a little bit more versatility to the game. Um, I'd, I'd like to see those two come off the board day two, those three, sorry. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's what we're talking about. I think that's the right range for them. Mm. I've mentioned it a little bit before when we were talking about linebackers, um, and I was kind of talking about safeties kind of being drafted to play linebacker or maybe doing it a little bit. Do you think that Jeremy Chin could play linebacker as well as safety? Because I do. I think he's got that mentality. I think he's got a physicality. I think he can, like I say, he can definitely hit people. I think I think a lot. Of people, I think quite a few people in this class that can do that. Chin's definitely one of them. He's, he's got a proper big body, and he's got you've got athleticism to go with it now. When you see um, a couple of years ago, well, maybe 15 months ago, when the Chargers played the Ravens in the playoffs and they beat them and they deployed Derwin James, who's, I would say, smaller than Jeremy Chin, mm. oh, I think uh, so, yeah. as a pseudo linebacker, then, yeah, we are going to see that, especially when these teams keep finding these ultra-mobile quarterbacks who are dangerous, you can break the pocket, mm. you can challenge your linebacker core. They're going to start moving um, more athletic guys into that position. Chin's one of them. Duggar, again, one of them. But again, he's like you say, he's a little bit smaller. But I mean, it didn't really matter for Derwin. I don't, I don't really see... There's other people down this body who... who I, uh, names fail me as, as per usual. But like, um, you just watching the scout and you just think that, that guy is a linebacker playing safe. Um, and that's probably because, you know, they are big guys. They are able to dominate mm. that box. But if they have ball skills, they're going to move them backwards because... That's very that's vital. Conversely, in the NFL, they're looking for people to stop the run. People mm. can step up and, and more running quarterbacks. So yeah, there's going to be, like we say, there's a lot of fluidity in the NFL nowadays, a lot of, in football nowadays. And I think 
it's just another string to the bow, isn't it, for these guys who are, who are hovering in that day two pick range that if they can step into the linebacker things, or you know, when they're not in base, when they're in, when they're utilizing four or five linebackers because they know it, you know, it's, it's such a dangerous opportunity for quarterbacks to run, and you, then yeah, the guys are going to be able to do it. Yeah, no, definitely. It's all about that versatility. It just, it just makes someone's value go sky high, doesn't it? As soon as they can play multiple positions, especially at the back end of the day. And in that back seven, as you said. What about Sleeper then? Give me a couple of names. Who are we looking at for late days? Well, Utah got a couple. Terrell Burgess is an exceptional safety. But um, more interestingly, is Julian Blackman, who moved from cornerback to safety for this last year. And you can see why. The guy's got the size for it. He's got the ball skills for it. But he's raw. Now, Roy is what you kind of look for in the late round pick because yeah, definitely. You, can develop mm-hmm. him. you can develop him, can't you? So if he has if he has the measurables, which he does, he has the football brain, which he does, then all it takes is is, is practice, is, is reps. And so if the team grabs Julian Blackman, who for me was one of the, the, the good state of quarterbacks, but this secondary is so loaded for Utah that they thought we'll try and get all our talent on the field at once. And it's, and it's probably done in the world of good for a long-term um, NFL career, even if short-term, he might not have his, as high a draft stock as being a safety as he would have safely played cornerback last year. But I think he's he's definitely a sleeper. But my favourite sleeper of all is J.R. Reed from Georgia. Um, he's another guy, a bit like Winfield. He lacks the measurables. He's not got elite mm. speed. He's a small guy. But his instincts are phenomenal. He sniffs it out every time. You he, he don't get fooled. There's, not, there's no uh, play misdirection from a quarterback that's going to fool him or the quarterback trying to hold, hold him with his eyes. He knows what's coming. He's, I think... I think he could be a fourth-round pick for somebody um, that we will see for years in the NFL because those instincts, you, again, you can't teach him. We sound like a broken record, but you can't teach instincts. This guy's got him. No, definitely. I think, yeah, like you said before, we, we've been talking about, as you said, we were broken records. We we are talking about the same things. And it's just about value. We're talking about day round, day three picks and late day two picks. And you just need him to play multiple positions, get value. And be good in your locker room as well. You know, none of these guys that we've talked about today have got attitude problems and... They're going to contrib- contribute on and off the field, uh, both you know for your community and obviously for your team and your locker room. Um, the one that I like uh, kind of as a late round pick, and kind of what I was talk- thinking about when I was talking about um, linebackers and coming down and hitting people, is Brandon Jones from Texas. A really, really physical player. Um, he's not going to be able to play deep. He's not got the range at all, uh, but he's going to be a box safety and he's going to be able to hit people and he's going to be an asset in the running game for you. So I know I think he's, he's my... Other late one, I mean, obviously, you kind of took the Utah ones off me, uh, so I couldn't mention Sorry, those mate. guys. But yeah, Brandon Jones is another another name for everyone. Obviously, coming from a big schools, also well coached. We were talking about that last week with our big programs who are well coached, and uh, yeah, ones to look out for. I'm not usually a Texas fan either. I don't really like mentioning what their players. So uh, yeah, Brandon Jones there. <laughs> um, yeah, one one for you. I love Texas. Obviously, they're after them. My college football <laughs> team. Uh, Brandon Jones. I can see him going somewhere like a, a really gritty football team like Pittsburgh Steelers, something like that. I don't know if you remember a guy who certainly had a bit more range than uh, Brandon Jones does in, in Troy Polamalu, who mm. just used to be that pseudo linebacker, that guy who would hover around. Thinking, and Jones does have that kind of um, penchant sometimes for taking risks, which Troy did. Um, I can see him fitting in there, or even like any other any teams in one of those grittier, grittier conference uh, divisions, should I say. I, I, do, I do enjoy him. Um, yeah, he, not only does he not have the range, sometimes he doesn't have the head, and that's why, I, I mean, I'd love to bump Texas boys up, up my <laughs> rankings as much as possible. I've got a very big soft spot for David Duvernay, the wide receiver as well, but um, yeah, I had to just bite my tongue a little bit there and hold him down. But I do I do see the upside in him if, if they can kind of like just rein him in a little bit. But yeah, in that in the, in the box, he's going he's gonna to provide value for you again. 
Mm, no, definitely. Oh, we've got through a lot of names there. We've got uh, hopefully put some names on people's radars as well. You know, we're only what two weeks away from the draft, just over, just under. Uh, no, just over. Get it right one day. Um, you know, a few weeks away from the draft. So uh, yeah, hopefully people can get watching the tape as we were saying last week. You know, last minute cramming, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, scout people who you think your team might go for, and then afterwards as well. So yeah, no, it's been a pleasure, mate. As we always, um, we'll get together maybe after the draft, maybe do a bit of a sum up if you fancy it. Um, but yeah, been nice having you again. Um, do you want to just give people again just where we can find you on social media and things like that? Yeah, uh, yeah, you can uh, hit up the, po- the Collapsing Pocket podcast at Pocket Crumble or come to me direct. My Twitter handle's at NFL Draft Sci. Um, or I would really recommend going to the Touchdown and just checking out the draft content there because there is a hell of a lot of stuff to, to enjoy. Um, depends what kind of things you're interested in, but. I know we all like a good mock draft there. There's a couple up there at the moment. Uh, Alex Chinnery just did one, which is quite interesting. Um, just mixing different, um, you know, possibilities. There's still a lot to, to understand yet. You know, we there's some quarterbacks that still have to be determined where they're going. Yeah. I think that the draft is going to be difficult to work out from that point. But yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's such a good time of year to, to learn a bit more about the guys who are coming into the NFL. I would definitely go and check out the stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd recommend anyone going over and reading your stuff and listening to your podcast as well. Um, so yeah, if you've kind of missed this, uh, what we've been doing here, this is our second part of our kind of two-part series that we've been doing before the draft with myself and Sai. If uh, you missed the first part, like I said before, go over to the collapsing pocket and uh, listen to the first part of us talking about offense. But like I say, I think we'll wrap it up there, mate. And uh, yeah, we'll get together after the draft. But yeah, thanks very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure again, haven't you? Oh, brilliant, mate. Thank you very much for having me. We'll definitely see you after the draft. Not at all. Um, okay. So, yeah, we'll wrap it up for another week um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.